It is a good night to be in the Lord's house together. Amen. And uh, uh, my little granddaughter Charlotte's in the service, and she may say Papa's name a few times in the service. I'll try not to get distracted, and uh, and uh, we're just delighted to have her in service tonight. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here. Tonight, we're in the Ten Commandments in our continued study. We're in the Fourth Commandment tonight. And so if you have your Bible, if you look with me to the book of Deuteronomy, we're going to be in chapter number five, and also Exodus in chapter number 20. Very similar command in both, but a little bit of differences that you'll find in both of them. As we look in this commandment together, why don't we hear God's word first, and then we'll unpack it together. Deuteronomy chapter number 5, beginning with verse, Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning verse number 12. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock or the resident alien who lives within your city gates so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And that's why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who's within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it is holy. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just ask that tonight as we study your word that you'd speak to our heart about the importance of this fourth commandment. And then, Father, uh, we'll contemplate whether or not we're keeping it, if we're abiding, if we're obeying, and if we're learning from it. Father, tonight I ask you to forgive us of our sins. All of us have sinned and come short of your glory. There's none righteous, not one of us. All of us are lawbreakers, and all of us need grace. Father, I thank you for your law because it points us to Jesus who fulfilled it. And I thank you for a law because it shows us our sinfulness. And I thank you for the law because it's true. And I thank you for the law because it shows, it shows us how we should live and relate to you and to one another. Oh, Father, speak to our heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All of the commandments are important, and, but all of them. 
But perhaps the fourth commandment is as hotly debated as any other commandment in the past generations. The question concerning this commandment is, is this a moral law or is it a ceremonial law? Is this law a ceremonial law that's been set aside, abrogated, no longer in effect, or is it a part of the moral law? It's a part of the Decalogue, isn't it? It's a part of the law. It's a part of the very law that says you shall not commit murder, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't covet. Uh, it is the same law to take the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, to no other gods beside him, not to fashion or make any idols, and to not take his name in vain. This is the fourth. And it has to do with God's name, the first three, and God's authority, and then God's day. The fourth has to do with his day, this day that is special. Is it just ceremonial? Has it been abrogated by the new covenant and the covenant of grace? Or does it apply to us still today? That's a question, isn't it? This commandment also has been hotly debated in regard to the specific day of the week. What day of the week is Sabbath? And what day do we worship him? Is worship on Saturday or Sunday? Or is it simply a day of one's own choosing? Most importantly, what does this command mean for the Christian today? And how do we observe it? This commandment, I want you to listen close. This commandment is about our relationship with holy God. It is about how we relate to him, know him, pursue him, and our commitment to be known by him, to be changed by him, and to surrender to his authority. A.W. Tozer said, God has not bowed to our nervous haste or embraced the methods of our machine age. The man who would know God must give time to him. Amen. The Sabbath is about him. It's about knowing God. It's about prioritizing God. It's about ceasing from all of the activities to hear him, to listen, to obey, to learn, to worship, and to do good. Amen. We hear so much little about worship of the Lord and the priority of worship of it. We live in a society where we got all kinds of technology, right? Cell phones, messaging, texting. Our world is not, it seems like it ought to be less complicated, more easy. That we, it seems like we ought to have way more time to give to the Lord because of all the technology we enjoy. I mean, most of you didn't chop kindling tonight before you came to worship. Most of you aren't stoking a fire and your log on a log unless you just do it for the ambience of it. And we're not hunting and gathering for our food other than at Schnooks. And a lot of us don't have farm animals that we're taking care of tonight or worried about whether they're going to freeze to death tonight or chopping the and making sure that they have water to drink tonight in the frigid weather. But what have we really added to our life? How are we deeper in our walk with God? 
One commentator said, we've added speed and noise, but no depth to our life. Mm. So tonight, I want us to look at the Sabbath and what does it mean, and I think it speaks to all of that. First of all, what is the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is the, is the word Sabbath means to cease. Shabbat is to stop, to cease, cease the activity. And, says, and, and, and he says to remember to cease, remember the Sabbath, a special day that the Lord has given us to set aside as a special day of purpose. And he said we should keep it, observe it, and obey it. Two or three things we want to notice about this Sabbath day. Number one, it's a day of reverence. We are to keep it holy. It is a holy day. It is set apart reverence to be hallowed and to make holy and to keep holy. We're not to treat the Sabbath like the other days of the week, but it should be different in those days. Is it have a moral obligation upon us? B.H. Carroll, first president of Southwestern Seminary, wrote in, in his exposition of the English Bible, which is fantastic read, and he said, there is a moral character to this commandment. First of all, it's given by the Lord himself. It's appointed by him. It was never set aside by Jesus himself. And God gave his perfect example in the creation of the world in it, and it's been redeemed in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ in the cross and his resurrection. It's a day of remembrance. Not only is it a day of reverence, it is secondly a day of remembrance. We're to remember and keep it. It should be frontline in our teaching. Why this day? And I think that we're remembering all that God has done for us, remembering that God created us, remembering that he made us, remembering that he has redeemed us, remembering that he's made covenant with us, and remembering God. We're to remember him. Tonight, we're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a moment, and we're going to remember together with intentionality what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And this day is a day of remembrance. But it's also a day of rest. The word Sabbath means to cease. He said, six days you will do all of your work, but on the seventh day you're to rest from your ordinary labor. And he said, these things I want you to observe with your children. I want you to observe these things with those people who work for you, for your male servant, your female servant, for the alien among you that lives with you. And, and even your own animals and your livestock, give them a break on that day and let them rest. So Sabbath implies a sense of community. When you observe Sabbath, then your sphere of community, you are acknowledging God in your life, your need for rest, and your need for relationship with Him. Amen. When is the Sabbath day? In Exodus chapter 20 and uh, verse number 10, notice how Moses says it again. He says concerning this day, <clears throat> that this Sabbath is a, a day of, of rest, and it's the seventh of those days. Now, in the, uh, chapter number 20, in verse number 10, Listen to what he says. He said, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
You must not do any work. Now, he calls it the seventh day. So the cycle of the Sabbath is six plus one. It's six days of work, and then the seventh day is this day of rest. He said, you must not do any work, you, your son, or daughter, male or female servant, your livestock, the resident alien who's within your gates. Why? For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So this seventh day is to remind us what God has done in his creation, is to remind us that God has wired us with a need for rest. This cycle is woven into the very fabric of God's created order. Sabbath is created by God. He gives us the example that God rested on the Sabbath, not that poor God was worn out. He just had to take a break. God doesn't wear out, but he rested. He ceased, he stopped, and not that he wasn't actively providentially taking care of all of the created order, it just meant his activity of creation came to a cease point because he creates man, and, and Sabbath then becomes the first day in man's life, so to speak. But for us, as believers and as Christians, this was a part of the Jewish community, part of the cycle of, of Judas, Judas, uh, Judaism and family. For those of you who've gone with me to Israel, when we, we often uh, find ourselves uh, in Jerusalem on Shabbat, it starts on Friday night and it goes through, uh, through Saturday evening. And the restaurants, are they serve primarily leftover items, not items that they fix because it's Shabbat. Often on Shabbat, we don't tour anywhere in any of the shops or the places in Jerusalem, but we, we will go down to the Dead Sea area away from Jerusalem and sometimes uh, do some events touring on the West Bank or places that don't observe Shabbat the same way. They worship on Sabbath, and this but the problem with the Jews in Jesus' day and before him and even today, it, there became this exacting legalism. While the law was given, that some, someone counted 1,500 laws associated with whether you're breaking or not breaking the Sabbath. If you get a tack in your shoe, you can't take it out on the Sabbath because that would be working. Remember, Jesus heals the man, tells him, take up your pallet and go on the Sabbath, and they stop him and said, why are you doing work? He said, the man who healed me told me to pick up my pallet and walk. He said, you're bearing a burden. You're breaking Sabbath. But Jesus had healed him on that, told him to pick up his pallet and walk. It's that kind of legalism that's missing the point of Sabbath day. So in the early church, the Jews, Jesus rose again from the dead on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus appears to disciples on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus appears to those boys the, uh, on their way to Emmaus on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus announces the good news of his resurrection to the women on Resurrection Sunday. The angels declare that Christ has risen from the dead on Resurrection Sunday. A week later, Christ appears in the upper in the room behind closed doors on Resurrection Sunday. And the early church began to worship and celebrate Jesus 
on Resurrection Sunday for all that God has done for us. We find the Jews continuing to worship. The disciples would go to the temple in the hour of prayer. They would go to the sat on Sabbath and worship the Lord. They would go to synagogues. And Paul and, and Silas and Barnabas, as they made their missionary journeys, would often go in communities that had a synagogue. And in synagogue, they would meet on Saturday. And as they would meet on Sabbath day, the word of God would be read. And they would sing and there would be teaching. And there would be many Jews there familiar with the law. And the disciples would go and preach the cross of the Lord Jesus. And people would come to know Christ and be saved. Remember, in some towns, they didn't have a synagogue. And remember how Paul said, thinking that there might be some women gathered on the Sabbath somewhere in a prayer meeting, he goes and remember how those women hear the gospel and they are saved on that Sabbath day. But as they reach more and more non-Jews and Gentiles are being grafted in, folded into the family of God. They, have, they did not have the Sabbath laws. They did not have that as part of their culture or covenant. And so they, they didn't feel a familiarity to go on Sabbath day, but they began to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. The disciples began to worship on the first day of the week. And that day became a great day of worship. For Jews and Gentiles celebrating all that Jesus had done for them. And it was infused with new meaning in the worship of God. In the book of Revelation, chapter number 1, in verse number 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, he doesn't use the word Sunday, which would have a pagan connotation. But he calls it the first day of the week, the Lord's day. And he says he was worshiping and he was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. That term is the only time that you find it in the New Testament. And the other time that it's found, similar phrasing, is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's day and the Lord's Supper. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord's Supper different than other suppers that you have during the week? It is. But the Lord's Supper is different. Why? Because it's all about remembering what Jesus did for us. It's the Lord's Supper. And John says there's a Lord's Day. And that day is different than any other day that you worship. And it's a day to remember and celebrate all that God has done for us. Amen? Hmm. John Calvin said, and concerning the, the Sabbath, he said, we're to work six days, keep the cycle, but one day needs to be set us apart for the Lord. And stop your work on that day so the Lord can do his work in you on that day. <laughs> We've, even among Reformed people, there's a difference about understanding the Sabbath and whether we need to keep it. But almost everybody agrees there's something greatly beneficial for the people of God to set aside a day where we cease 
and we focus on the Lord and we worship Him. Amen? The Philadelphia Confession of Faith that was Baptist adopted in, in 1742 is one of the important confessions of faith. It was related to, and, uh, to the Second London Confession of 1689. In that confession of faith, this is the, and it's the words a little, listened closely. It says, so by his word in a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. And from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as a Christian Sabbath, the observance of the last day of the week being abolished. The Sabbath then is kept holy unto the Lord when men, after due preparation of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand, do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their world of employment and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in public and private exercises of worship and duties of necessity and mercy. Amen. The Baptist Faith and Message, written adopted by Southern Baptists, wrote it like this, and it's based off the New Hampshire Confession of Faith that was written before it, the 1963 Baptist Faith and Message says, the Lord's Day of the week, the, the first day of the week is the Lord's Day. It's a Christian institution for regular observance. It commemorates the resurrection of Christ from the dead and should be employed in exercise of worship, spiritual devotion, both public and private refraining from worldly amusements and resting from secular employments, work of necessity and mercy being accepted. This goes back to the very similar things that were said by the Westminster Confession of Faith. And so they all are following in line similarly to those Reformed thinking men and women before us and elders about the seventh day. I could go on and not bore you with reading to you Keech's Catechism for children. But he outlines what does the Sabbath mean and how do we keep it as believers. Now, why the Sabbath commandment? First of all, number one, when we look in the Old Testament, it's to remember the creative authority of God. God created this world. How many of y'all believe that God created this world we live in? He created it, so he has authority. Did you know he made you? Tell your neighbor, God made you. All right? You are not an accident. He made you. You are not an accident. He made you, and you exist for him. Tell your neighbor, you exist for him. Yeah. He sustains you. He upholds you, and he has authority over you. Now, your neighbor might resist this, but you need to tell them, you are under authority, tell them. Wives, it's not talking about you being over anyone. 
or husbands, but God's authority over you. Number two, remember his creative authority. Number two, reflect on his redemptive love. I think it's very interesting in the Exodus passage, he says, I want you to keep the Sabbath because God worked seven days and rested on the seventh in his creation. But in the passage in Deuteronomy, Moses tells us the reason we keep the Sabbath, remember, you were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out in redemption. That's why we keep the Sabbath. We are to reflect on what God's redemptive love. You were a slave, and he bought you and brought you out of slavery. And what he's saying is, don't go back into slavery again. In Egypt, you worked like a slave. You worked like a dog. You had taskmasters. And seven days a week, 400 years, they were locked in for a, a large portion of that 400 years They were slaves, and they had to work every day for their taskmaster. But now they've been set free, and God says, I made you, I designed you, I know what you need, and you will observe Sabbath because you're not a slave anymore. When you work every day of the week and you don't make the Sabbath a different day in your life, you Go back into slavery again. Don't do that. He has set you free by his redemptive love. The third point is this. Refuse to be a slave. Don't get to be a slave to greed. Don't be a slave to money. Don't be a slave to success. Don't be a slave to your selfishness. You say, Pastor, what if I have to work? What if my job requires me to work? Then it's necessity. You're required to provide for your family. You have to do some works of necessity. Maybe you work at a hospital. Maybe you do different things of mercy. That's kindness and mercy and love that you show others. And it may require some labor on your part, but that's not breaking, that's not dishonoring to God because you're doing works of mercy, works of necessity, things that you have to do. But when you just treat this day like any other day and you're going to go and do whatever you want, it's not really so much about the day, but it is about the day. It's about your relationship with Almighty God. John Piper talked about this and he said, often my Monday is more like a Sabbath rest for me. I gather with God's people, I worship with Him, but Monday I, I try to stay by myself and alone, he says, and one of the prayers that I pray on Monday is, God, may I rest today so that I'll be ready to go back into your work on Tuesday. There's that cycle and that need, that six plus one cycle that God has created. But the other thing that is, that is given the Sabbath that we need to understand, it was given to us so that we would trust in God's daily provision for us. In the book of Exodus... Uh, uh, chapter number 16 is an interesting story. And it's about the children of Israel. After they've come out of the promised land, God has provided for them. They don't have any water. They come to the uh, Mara, to a place of bitterness where the water was no good. They cut down a tree and they put it in the water. And the water becomes good to drink again. And then he has rescued them. He saved them. The death angels passed over. He, they've been redeemed. He brings them through the Red Sea. He's with them with a pillar of fire and a cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's with them, taking care of them every step of the way, and they start griping and complaining. Can you believe that? 
I'm telling you they're Baptist. They went through the water and they gripe all the time. They're griping about stuff. They said, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Because there, I remember, we had meat pots. We had plenty of meat every day and always had bread. And now you brought us out in this wilderness to kill us. and We'll die of starvation out here. And they turn against the leader, Moses and Aaron. All of the negativity. We're so short-sighted. God said, I'm going to provide for you, and this is what I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide meat for you. There'll be quail that will come at twilight, and early in the morning there'll be a frost, a dew on the ground that would turn into a wafer-like thing, and that will be bread for you. And it will, it will be uh, like a flake and the Israelites, actually, when they first saw it, they said, what is it? And that's what the word manna means in Hebrew. What is it? The Bible tells us that it tastes like fine flour fried in oil. Mm. I've said before, I think that's Krispy Kremes on the morning, every morning. Here was his commandments. He said, don't hoard it. You're not to hoard it. You should go out and gather enough for you and your family every day. Don't hoard it. Secondly, gather what you need, not more than you need. Thirdly, eat all of it. Trust me. Don't say, you know what? We, he may not show up tomorrow. Let's keep some of this for tomorrow, right? Because I don't trust him. He may not show up. I mean, he showed up today, but he may not show up tomorrow. Not that any of you will get like that, right? And so you hoard it. And guess what happens when you hoard it? It spoils and the worms come out of it. That's what happens. And so then he said, I want you to gather every day for enough. Some people went out and they disobeyed the law, the, the word that God had given them. And he says, I want you to gather six days. But on the sixth day, only the sixth day, I want you to do something different. On the sixth day, I want you to gather twice as much. And it won't go bad. But only the sixth day, on the seventh day, is a Sabbath unto the Lord, and you're not to go out and gather. Some people on the Sabbath still went out looking, but it wasn't out there. They disobeyed God. It's a day of rest, and the Bible says that for 40 years, now get this, for 40 years, God supplied manna. In that cycle. One of the things that the Sabbath does when we cease and we stop is it says, I'm trusting you to provide for me. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not going to pretend I can live without you. I need you every day of my life. He made you. He saved you. And he will provide for you. And Sabbath teaches us to trust in a God who will provide for us. Listen, we all want to pretend that we can provide for ourselves. We all want to pretend that we can sustain ourselves, that we can be self-sufficient, and that we don't need God. And that we don't have to trust him. 
Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what? This day our what? Daily. Our daily sustenance. Sabbath teaches us to trust him daily for what he will provide for us. It also provides and helps create a sense of community. In Exodus, uh, chapter, I mean, Ezekiel, chapter number 20, if you have your Bible, in Ezekiel, chapter number 20, in verse number 12, Ezekiel 20, verse 12, I also gave them my Sabbath to serve as a sign between me and them, so that they would know that I am the Lord who consecrates them. He says, I am with you. I take care of you. Notice in verse 18, I said to their children in the wilderness, don't follow the statutes of your fathers. Defile yourselves with idols or keep their ordinances. I am the Lord your God. Follow my statutes. Keep my ordinances. Practice them. Keep my Sabbath holy. And there'll be a sign between me and you. The Sabbath came to be a symbolism and a covenant sign of keeping the law and being God's people. It, 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 it helped develop a sense of community. We are God's people. And we live differently than the rest of the world. It became a remarkable testimony to one another of what God has done for all of us. I think when we worship the Lord and you serve him and you make him proud in your life and you set aside time to make sure that you and your family are worshiping the Lord Jesus and serving him and talking about scripture and talking about God and what he's done in your life and, and recounting his redemptive love for us and, and, and reading his word and memorizing his word and teaching it in your family, it has a transformational effect. In a book of colonial history written by Bancroft many years ago, he describes a community in colonial America in Vermont, and he says it was a remarkable testimony of the culture of that community. There in that community, they, they set aside Sabbath and worshiped the Lord on Sunday. It was such uh, intensity and regularity, the whole community developed a sense of rhythm of worshiping God. He said it had such a profound effect in the whole community as they worshiped Christ and served him. He says observance of a Christian Sabbath had an impact. He said there was godliness in the community. There was respect that children had for their parents. There was an absence of jails and needlessness for sheriffs. He says it was almost paradise. Well, of course, there's always sin because we're all fallen. But I'm saying that these rhythms and habits in your life can have an impact in your life. It's a relational thing. It relationally builds community within you, intrapersonally, inside of you. When you rest, God's made you. It helps with your mind, your soul, your emotional health, your body to rest and rejuvenate, renew. 
It also helps in your relationship with other people. You respect them. You care for your fellow man. And you don't make other people work for your success if you have people that are responsible to you. You say, Pastor, that cannot work today. Well, anybody ever heard of Truett Cathy? Truett Cathy is the founder, along with his brother Ben, of Chick-fil-A. Anybody familiar with them? Now, you can get Chick-fil-A tonight, but guess what? You can't get it, you can't get it tomorrow. I bet there's some of you in here that's pulled into their drive-thru on Sunday trying to get a Chick-fil-A and forgot. It's happened to me many times. Some have estimated that Kathy's being closed one day of week, every week of the year, will cost of over a billion dollars. Business Insider says it's one of it's brilliant that it recharges employees, it creates community, and the scarcity of it not being open one day of a week makes you want to go and get it. And the reason they initially started this was purely religious reasons. They said, we're going to care for our employee. We can't make our employees go to church, but we will say to them, you will not work we're going to say to our franchise owners, you will be closed. And we're going to say, this is God's day, and we will treat it different. And they are beating the socks off of most of those hamburger joints. And God is blessed. How do I keep the Sabbath day? I'm glad you asked. Woo, we've got four minutes. Stay with me. Number one, do your own work. Implied in the Sabbath day is that you work six days, you shall work. Some of you have an aversion to work. God created you to work. Amen. We live in a society that has an aversion to work. We think the government should just pay for us all the time. Work. Do your work. Work hard. Provide for your family. You were made by God to work. It is not a burden. Secondly, rest from your labors. Do your regular task and work hard and efficiently so that on that seventh day you don't have to. All right? Remember and reflect on all that God has done for you. That's one of the ways you keep the Sabbath. Read the scriptures. Understand how God has blessed you. Worship the Lord. Praise his name. And I, folks, be a part of a community of faith. Make corporate worship a priority. Don't supplant, don't supplant your faithful worship of God with the people of God for soccer and baseball and everything else because that will rob your soul. Well, I can go out fishing and meet with God just as well or hunting or in my, dre- in my, my duck blind or my tree stand. No, I can't. It's not the same. I, I'm not saying God can't meet you there and do business with you. And probably if you do, get really honest, the first point of business is, why aren't you with the people of God worshiping them? Worship is essential. Anybody believe that worship is essential to your spiritual life? Corporate worship. This pandemic, we've had a lot of discussions about what is essential and not essential. And churches have been told by the government, you are not essential. 
But these things are essential. Well, I, I choose to disagree. I think the worship of God is essential as a church. I've kind of felt unessential sometimes. Like frontline workers and essential workers are essential to get the vaccine, but pastors aren't essential. Not in all states, but that's Illinois' attitude about it. A pastor friend of mine in Virginia, he said, at our state, they do consider us essential. And, and in Indiana, my brother, they, my brother called me, he says, I'm more essential than you. I got a vaccine. Well, I knew that. My mom had told me that a long time ago. He's the baby. He is essential. And Jesus said, the priests do their work. They don't break the law. They're considered innocent. They do their work on those days. It's essential work. If you're circumcised, the new baby that you have, the eighth day is the day of circumcision, whether it's Sabbath or not Sabbath. That is essential work. It's work that God's called us to. Your service in the church is, is, is it's an essential work. It's, it's also a work of mercy. And, and that isn't work. It's serving the Lord. Do acts of mercy. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, interesting story. We can look at several passages in, in the Gospels. We won't. But there's this man there with a shriveled hand on, in, at the synagogue. And as Jesus' custom, he goes to the synagogue to worship. And there is this man who has a shriveled up hand. And the question is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, if you have a sheep that falls into a pit, won't you go and rescue that sheep out of the pit? This man is worth more than sheep. Yes, it is lawful. And he healed him right there in that place. Similar conversation takes place in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. And Jesus said, don't you do this. If your donkey is tied up in town, you untie it and take it out so it can get water. Take it out so it can get food. That's an essential work. And this daughter of Abraham has been sick for 18 years, suffering. And I think she needs to be set free from captivity. And he healed her on the spot and all the people broke out in the praise. Because the Son of the Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. Worship the Lord corporately. And then anticipate when we worship on Sunday and worship the Lord, anticipate the ultimate and celebrate in the ultimate fulfilling of Sabbath rest, which is in Jesus Christ. The Sabbath not only points back to and remembering what God has done for us in creation what God did for us in redeeming us, what God does when we trust Him to provide for our needs, but it points forward to the fulfillment of the law in Jesus Christ. His satisfying the law of God in dying for all of our sins as lawbreakers. We need a Savior. Amen. And when you put your faith and trust and belief in Him, you enter into his rest. And that will ultimately be known at the consummation of the ages when our Savior comes again. Amen.
Hallelujah. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Sabbath is found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen? Amen. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Have you put your faith in him and him alone? Father in heaven, thank you for the word. It's so rich and powerful and true. Father, I pray that tonight we might turn from selfishness and turn to you and rest in you and find life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.